0: We've, we've been tracking for a little while with this gift that God has given us, the Holy Spirit. He's promised to give power to his disciples. We're sort of right at the, at the beginning of the book of Acts, the end of the book of Luke, where Jesus is, is there with his church, with the, the few who had followed him through. And, and he, he is saying to them, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another. And he's going to remind you of everything that I said, that he's going to give you the power that you need to be my witnesses in this world. See, the Holy Spirit is given so that we are changed. Like we talked about last week, Peter, who had denied Christ three times, was now preaching on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were saved, so the Holy Spirit used that preaching to bring more people to Christ and to expand God's family here on the earth. So God promised and then sent his Holy Spirit to change us and to make us into something new. New creations, as we talked about one week. Real people who can give real evidence to the reality that Jesus is alive. That's who you are as a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a real person, so you're not perfect. You know, you're a real person, but you can give real evidence to the fact that Jesus is alive in you and in the church today. You're able to give that evidence because you are walking with him. You are talking with him. You are spending time with him. You're you're letting him use you and the gifts and abilities he's placed in you to bring others into a knowledge of who he is. We are witnesses. Witnesses are the people who show up at the trial to say, yeah, that's what really happened. I saw it with my own two eyes. That guy did that, you know? You are a witness. Have you seen it? That's one of the questions we had to ask, right? Am I a witness? Have I seen him in my own experience? Or am I sort of living off someone else's story? Because that's not a good witness. If you're saying, well, I heard someone say or do such and such, the judge doesn't even want to hear from you. The jury doesn't want to hear from you because you didn't have a personal experience there. You're not a good witness. It's called hearsay. Well, okay well that's there's not much value in that so what christ sees as value in you is that you can have a personal relationship with him and then live that out before others and tell them of what it's like to be a child of god what it's like to be forgiven what it's like to be free from all the damage that sin would love to do to your life you're free from that because god has given you his spirit and he has washed you clean and he has set you on a new path with a new purpose. And so our purpose is that we would be those real people on the earth today, giving evidence to the fact that Jesus is working among us, that Jesus is alive among us. And we do that by living into that promise of abundant life. We don't always get it right. We go through trials and tribulations, but we continue to walk forward and trust him and live in faith that he died to give us an abundant life a life that has freedom offered to us so that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we're servants of God, that we serve him with our lives. And then that produces good fruit for him. It's for his glory. What I'm afraid of is that we, because we've been in this pandemic mode for a long, long time, that we're, we're experiencing some type of power shortage you know, some type of power shortage where, where we need more of God. We need to understand that we need more of God, that, that that what we have been experiencing isn't quite what God has promised us. Maybe it's because we've isolated ourselves. Maybe it's because we've fallen out of some good habits and we may have developed some bad habits during these past two years. It doesn't take long to get some bad habits. It seems easy also to lose some good habits. And so today, I want us to look at that and and evaluate that and allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives and to, to really help us to see how He wants to live through us, how He wants us to shine for Him. I believe that one of the reasons that we have so little power evidenced in our lives is that we are blindly operating in our own natural power. We all have some of that. We have some abilities, you know, we're, we're, we're not corpses, right? We have some ability to speak and think and to, to will certain things, but that's our own fleshly natural power. And we end up relying on that instead of God's supernatural power, the gift of his Holy Spirit. We end up living independently of God in many ways, not depending on him the way that he intends us to. We depend on others. We depend on the news. We depend on the government. We depend on our jobs. We depend on our own personal strength. And when we do that, we're not depending on him. We're choosing where we're going to get our strength. Where we're going to get our wisdom. Where we're going to get our knowledge. And it's not from the vine. Jesus said in John chapter 15 that he is the vine and we are the branches. And if we remain in him, then we'll bear much fruit good fruit and much fruit not just little little bit of fruit but but an abundant amount of fruit if we abide in him i'm afraid the pandemic may have unplugged a few of us from the vine we weren't able to attend in person for so long that eventually we just stopped growing because we stopped interacting even through the screen, you know, we start, we, we say, well, you know, I feel separate. I feel apart. Maybe I'll watch Oprah instead. You know, I'm sleepy. I'm going to stay in bed. I don't have time. You know, all these things. So we're going to evaluate this and just say, God, please re- reconnect us. Help us to be deeply embedded in the vi- in, in the vine so that our branches produce fruit. Because I think when we get stressed... I know this is true of me when I get stressed or when I get confused, I tend to shift back to leaning on myself, the things I already know and not move forward in faith because that fear, that anxiety it gets to me. And I know it gets to you as well. When we shift back on ourselves, on our own strength, we have to remember that we are limited in so many ways. We're so tiny compared to God's strength, compared to God's wisdom. This is why the Proverbs, in in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, clearly teaches us that we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, our own noggin, you know, don't lean on that thing. It's faulty. It's been affected by sin. It's been distorted in many ways. It's being renewed day by day, but it's not there yet. One day when we see him face to face, we'll be completely renewed. But in the meantime, there's some twists and turns that don't belong there. So don't lean on that. Lean on God. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. All your ways. Not just Sundays, all your ways all your days, all your nights, all your decisions. Acknowledge God. Now, what does it mean to acknowledge God? God, you are here. Charlie, I'm going to acknowledge you. Charlie's here this morning. Let's thank the Lord for Charlie. Charlie's here. We just acknowledged him. We embarrassed him as well, but we acknowledged him, right? So when you're in a situation, acknowledge God. God, I know that you're here. I'm so glad you're here with me. This is a tough day. I'm struggling with my spouse. I'm having difficult children. But I know you're here with me, God. Thank you so much. I acknowledge your presence with me. That's not crazy thinking. That's biblical thinking. This is is what God calls us to do. You see, we don't see... How natural we start to operate on a day by day basis when we begin to lean on our human wisdom, our own limited resources, our few skills that we have. Life doesn't feel so abundant anymore. Life starts to feel scarce and and, and small because it is when we lean on ourselves. But when we lean on God, there ain't no smallness there. God is infinite. God is bigger than big. God just goes on and on with his power and resources and his skills for life. But when we lean on our own understanding, it's like some kind of natural filter begins to to build itself up in our thoughts, in our opinions, in our experiences on a daily basis, in our interactions with other people in our way of doing things, in the pride that rises up in us and in our, in our dependence on ourselves where we think we're right all the time. Do you know how, if I was God, how sick of that I would be? That people think they're right all the time when most of the time they're wrong. Only God is right all the time. But if you look out in this world, there's a bunch of people fighting about a bunch of stuff because they think they're right and the other people are wrong. But they're all wrong only God is right and only his perspective brought into this world begins to bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth from godly perspective from a biblical perspective with the spirit of God breathing life into it we are then able to live an abundant life and bring that abundance to the world that so desperately needs it but when we lean on ourselves on our own understanding that 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 passage in proverbs right after that let me just read it again trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him he'll make your path straight the very next line says do not be wise in your own eyes (sighs) if only that was a pill we could take (laughs) do not be wise in your own eyes we could make a song It kind of rhymes one of you work on that. We're not going to be wise in our own eyes. We're going to look to God for wisdom. It's the only wisdom that's trustworthy and good and always right. So I want you to think of of these these strengths, these these skills, these limited understandings that we have. And I want you to think for a moment with this illustration. Think of a heat vent. A heat vent... You know, not all of you have this kind of heat, but I do in my house. It's called forced hot air, right? So it heats up somewhere and then it pushes through the vent system and it heats my house. Think of a heat vent in your bedroom that's connected to the furnace. And everything's good with the furnace. The furnace has been cleaned and maintained and it's brand new and it works perfectly. The furnace does. But think about it. If you keep that vent closed... Or if you somehow block that because you, your laundry's piling up and you're putting it in front of the vent or whatever, or you push a bed in front of it to make more room. If you block that, on a cold day, the heat that's circulating through the ducts of your house, through, through the pipes that are, that are put in there, can't get to you to make you warm. It's there. It's in your house. But you ain't feeling it. Now think about the Spirit of God. If you are truly a born-again believer, you have been given the gift of the Spirit. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. That's scriptural. That's what God says. Born again of the Spirit. You can't be born again without the Spirit, right? So the Spirit exists in your house, and that Spirit's perfect, perfectly maintained, perfectly powerful furnace. It can produce what God intends it to produce. But... Are you like a vent? Is there ways to be open and closed with the Spirit? Is there ways to block the Spirit? This is the vision that God gave me this week when I was praying. What is the message for us, God? How do we get closer to you? How do we do what you want us to do on the earth today? And He made it fairly clear you've got to unblock the vent, you've got to let the heat flow. You've got to experience what I have intended for you to experience in the life of a Christian, in the life of the Spirit. See, opening the vent floods your room with some warmth. Your atmosphere changes. Like that song we were singing, Change the Atmosphere. Your atmosphere begins to change because you might have been shivering and cold because it was freezing last night, wasn't it? When that crazy wind came and it It was cold. You might have been shivering with cold, but you go in, you open the heat vents, you turn on the furnace, pretty soon, things change. Now, you're in the same house, same room, but the atmosphere changed. You're flooded with warmth. The heat that was already there, because it's waiting to be released, begins to benefit you, begins to change how you feel in that moment and in that situation, I believe that this is a vision of what is happening in the spirit with the power of God in some of our lives. Now, maybe some of you are just wide open and God is using you powerfully right now on the earth. And I am so happy for that. I hope there's a few of you here. But for many of us, I think we're experiencing some kind of power failure. At least a diminished flame. That's—it's Maybe it's still lit, but it's not as powerful as God intended it to be it's not as warm as God meant for it to be his power has become blocked for some reason when our elder Max started with with Psalm 139 search me O God God gave him that verse he and I didn't talk but that's what we're talking about That's what the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning. Open your ears. Let God search you. If there's anything that's blocking God in your life, from God working in your life, changing you, doing the work that he intends to do, or using you in a particular way to bring his kingdom here on earth, let's examine that. Because I'm going to tell you something. The problem is not with God. The problem is with God you and me God is perfect God is powerful God is wisdom God is love God is everything in perfection and he wants to pour that into your life through the vents of your life and some of you got your vent just closed like it's summertime and some of you piled up a lot of dirty laundry in front of your vent And God's saying, let's clear this out. Let's open this up. Let me in so I can do the work in you and through you that I intend for you to do. This is not abundant life. This is abundant life. So we want to open our lives. We want to allow his power, which has been blocked for some reason, to begin to flow. To begin to change us. To begin to move us in the direction that he wants for us. You see, it's a tragedy when God is blocked in anyone's life. It's a tragedy. Not just for you, but also for the people around you. Because without God, there's no good thing in us. Now, you might think it's good, but that's because your understanding is warped. But your pride, your meanness, your grumpiness, your selfishness, it's all there, right in that room. And it will take the power of God coming in to change that room, to change that atmosphere inside of you and inside of me. We don't want to be living lives like that because we don't display the power of God very well. We don't display His love very well. We don't display His grace very well when our lives are filled with darkness and He wants to shine His light through us. There are people all around you and all around me who God wants to reach and guide home to be with Him. And I don't mean die and go to heaven at this point. I just mean they're lost. They have yet to meet their Heavenly Father. They've yet to understand his love for them. They've yet to understand what Christ has done. And you and I may be blocking that. Because we ourselves are blocked in this relationship with God. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Do you believe that? He was speaking to his disciples. So if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are the light of the world. Now, where did that light come from, Robin? Did it come from you? Do you produce that yourself? Because you're just so amazing. You know, where does the light come from? It comes from him. His light has come into our lives through the salvation of our souls. And we are changed from darkness to light sometimes it's hard to believe because life is beat up on us a lot we don't think we're the light of the world we think well you know i hope i make it through you know i'm an old battery and i am kind of worn out no we are the light of the world jesus said so don't put that light under a bowl this is jesus's words do people light a light and put it under a bowl what do you think? No, right? It's, it's illogical. It's illogical to take the light of God and cover it up. Shut it down. Starve it of oxygen. Isolate it. Keep it away from what it needs, which is a flow of oxygen. It, need, it, needs, it needs something so that it keeps burning, right? This is the way a light works. He said, you know, a city that's set on a hill, it can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a lampstand because they want the light to, to reach the whole room. Like they didn't put it on the floor. They actually put it up high. That's why we have lights in the ceiling because the light filters down on us, right? So they put it up on a lampstand. And, and what, what he says, this is still in, in, in Matthew 5. It gives light to everyone in the house. Holy Spirit's work is to work in our lives. Sometimes He convicts us. and I ask you to ask yourself this question: Is my life giving light to everybody in the room? My room. Maybe your room is your, your house, your family. But maybe maybe your room is your school. Maybe your room is your workplace. Is your light giving light to everyone in the room, or you're just giving them attitude? Are you just giving them like, eh? It's Monday, you know. Are you just giving them like that whole, eh? You know, life is horrible. I'm so sick of this. Pandemic, You know, are you just giving them what you hear because you're absorbing from the world? And some is still working on in here being sanctified. But if you just, or are you shining a light to everyone in the room? He says everyone in the house. Because he says after this, in the same way, let your light shine before Men, before all men, all mankind, let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is our purpose for existence. This is the reason he lit a flame in us. He gave us his light through his Holy Spirit that we may do some good deeds, be kind to people, help them, serve them, It's a whole nother sermon right there. Check that off. And praise your Father in heaven. So the message I want you to hear from God this morning is do not block the light. Do not block the light. Don't snuff out the light. Keep it burning brightly for Jesus. Do the things that keep it burning brightly. Because there are some things that have to be done to keep it burning brightly. Because if it has become blocked somehow, you are not experiencing the fullness of God, the abundant life that God intended you to live. And it's not just for you, not just to bless you. It does bless you, but to bless the whole house, everyone around you. This goes all the way back to Abraham. I will bless you, the Abrahamic covenant says. God says to him, I will bless you so that you will bless all the nations of the world. Through you, I will bless the world. Through your light, you will light the house. No matter how big the house is, you can light the house. And it won't be about you. They say, it says they won't praise you. They'll praise your father in heaven. Why? Because you give him all the glory. When people say to you, oh, Gary, you're so amazing. You're awesome. You're so great. Instead of being puffed up, and saying, yes, I am. You say, you know what? I'm just trying to serve God. He's great. He's awesome. He's amazing. You just turn it around. Point it up. Right? That's what our lives are supposed to reflect for the world around us. That way they see, it's not me. It's not Gary. It's not Nancy. It's God in me. The light of God in me, which is shining forth from me. And I don't create that light. It was a gift from Jesus who died on the cross to give it to me. Praise the Lord that we have this mission in life but we cannot block the light now how does the block how does the light get blocked sometimes it gets blocked with unbelief we just studied for months the book of hebrews Ugh. The book of faith, right? It is all about faith. It was all about helping the, the church, the early church, to, to hold on to their faith, to not lose their faith, to remember the faith of their forefathers, to remember the things that Abraham taught them and the things that Noah taught them and the things that Sarah taught them so that they would walk by faith, not by, you got to know this, by sight. When I say we lean on our own understanding, often it's we're just walking by sight what I can figure out, what I can think, what I can physically accomplish without any faith. God wants us to walk in faith so that we shine brightly in a dark world. In your, in your seats or around your seats somewhere, there's this little sheet of paper. I just want to bring it to mind here. We'll use it at the end. Maybe I left mine on my pe- I did. It says, 50 days to change. Somebody run one up to me. 50 days to be changed. Thanks, Greg. I just need one. You keep the other one. All right. 50 days to be changed. As I prayed for us, as I've been preparing for this 50th year of ministry... I've been looking back on the history of the church and all the things that God has accomplished through the believers who call themselves Holden Chapel. And it's really amazing. Millions of dollars given to World Mission. Millions of dollars, like, poured into our city, Worcester, to try to reach out to those who are poor and those who are, are, are struggling with addiction. You know, we, we have just loved well the community around us. But I don't want that light to go out, I don't want that light to fade. And if it has faded, I want it to to be filled with more fuel, to get brighter and brighter in the next 50 years, that we would accomplish for God more things for him. And so we look at our lives and say, is there something blocking your abundance in us, God? Is there something in the way? It could be unbelief. And so we may need to take that to God and say, God, I want to believe more. You know, there's that situation in the gospel where where somebody's talking to Jesus Jesus, and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. So he was kind of halfway there. I believe, in other words, I'm believing, but help my unbelief, fill up the rest so I can fully believe and walk in that confidence. So you need to find that out. Is there some unbelief still that's blocking your fullness of joy. Your fullness of the experience that God has for you. Is your heat vent blocked with unbelief? Only you know. God doesn't let me like inside your little brains and inside your hearts. That's where his spirit works. Only you know. Another thing that can block us, and oh boy, we've had fun with this one, is fear. Right? Because everyone says, fear is the opposite of faith. And maybe that's true. That's a little sort of modern bumper sticker thing. But, but fear really gets in the way. Now, I don't want to talk about fear of getting COVID and fear of that or whatever. I'm talking about fear of walking in faith, following God, being a light in the darkness, speaking about Christ to those who desperately need to hear Christ, or just doing good deeds for Christ. That fear that shuts us down and makes us think, uh, I feel a little bit anxious here. I feel a little bit insecure. I'm not really sure. I mean, the pandemic has certainly tested us in this area. It should have tested us and refined us. Like, like they do with the metals. They, they, they heat up the gold or they heat up the silver and the yucky stuff comes to the top and they scrape it off and then it's purer. So we should be purer, not pureed, but purer or more pure. Maybe that's, it's pure not a word? More pure than before the pandemic. (laughs) One person got it. No, we really should be. And, 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 And this is my question for me too. Am I, because of the testing that we've been through and are still in in some ways, but really been through, am I... Purer. Has God removed from me some of the things that need to be removed and allowed me to become more like Christ because of this test we've all been in? His fear shut me down, kept me from doing what God calls me to do. You see, Jesus ultimately, God ultimately is the only one who knows what's going on. I know that's hard for some of you to understand. There's this attraction to like conspiracy theories and things like that. Cause it's like, oh, I figured out what's going on behind the scenes under the white house over here. in the, you know, da, da, da. please stop it. God is the only one who really knows what's going on. The rest of it's like a charade, like a party, like a, like people are dressed up and you know playing different parts or whatever. God is the only one who really knows what's going on. I'm going to say it again because I think you need to hear it. God is the only one who really knows what's going on. Now, that's true globally, but it's also true in you. Sometimes you think you know what's going on in in your own life and and sometimes God's doing something different. And, and and often we get confused fear gets in the way we get trapped by it we get stuck in these patterns that don't belong and we're unable to break free of its hold to live in the fullness that God has for us so we got 50 days what if Jesus comes back on day 51 we got 50 days to be changed and maybe be released from that fear So that we can flow in the area that God wants us to flow in and do the things that God has created us to do. So that we can exercise our freedom and get back into the things that God has established for us to do. Maybe we need to join a Bible study in the next 50 days. Maybe you need to start coming to a prayer meeting in the next 50 days. Add something to your life that was taken away. Because a lot of stuff was taken away, right? A lot of stuff was taken away can't meet together can't do this can't do that right now we got to ask god what is it you want to add in now what is it that i need to be doing now which is going to help me to step into that place that you designed all of this to accomplish because god uses even things that were meant for evil he uses them for good but we have to get in the flow of the spirit to understand what that means for us individually That's right. Let's not stay frozen. Let's open up and be asking God to flow His presence, His power, His Spirit into our situations, into our lives individually and corporately so that we can see why did this happen, God? Oh, God, because you were accomplishing a greater purpose than any of us could have ever imagined. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Don't fool yourself. And don't think that someone else has figured out how God thinks. Only God has that capacity. We are called to follow him and to be faithful to him and to walk in faith and not unbelief and to walk in boldness, not fear. But unfortunately, our our own self produces those things. Now, one more thing that can block the work of God in our life is just dang old busyness, busyness. Now you would think that slowing down the world and shutting down a lot of stuff would make us less busy, but guess what? We are like creative little busy bees. We can just create new things to be busy about, you know? Now we're playing like some kind of wordle thing, you know, fill out a word, ooh, ah, ee, ah, oh, look at it, come on! That's, that's what we're going to do with our time? Play more video games. Yeah. yeah, Fill up your time with that. I'm not saying never, never. I'm just saying the time that maybe has been given to you because some things have been canceled and some things have been slowed down and some things aren't. That time was really not your time. It was God's time, a gift to you. What'd you do with it? I know this is a convicting message, but... Dang it, that's what God does every time I get close to him. He works and works and works to reveal some things. And I'm grateful for it. Even though sometimes it hurts a little bit. I'm grateful for it. I hope you also can be grateful for it. Because he is at work in our midst. I like that song we love. He's always working. He never stops working. So even when the world shuts down for a pandemic, God is working. He never stops working. He's been working in your life. But you need to open up and say, how how have you changed me? How have you challenged me? How have you wanted me to be different? Because I think he wants us to be different. Different than maybe we were three years ago. Now we're here in this present moment with him. And busyness. The time that he gave us, maybe we were supposed to pray more. Read his word more. Serve God more. Instead, we played video games and we did crossword puzzles and we, you know, took up new hobbies. We ate, some of us. We learned how to cook homemade bread, you know. Yeah, we did a lot of that. Thank you, Karen. So you might take the next 50 days and ask God to rearrange some things that got disarranged, unarranged. I don't know what the word is. Got messed up. Right? Because it's been messy. It's been hard. It's been hard on relationships. Some of the relationships in your home, because you were forced to be home too much, have been hard, right? Asking God to come in and to to breathe life, to give His abundance into your life so that you can be changed that your lifestyle actually begins to reflect more of God in your life, not less. Maybe you take time over the next 50 days to just rest in him. Because all this change and all these rules and regulations and whatever, it's been stressful. And we need to know how to rest in God. Just trust him. Just be like the sheep in his pasture in Psalm 23. You know, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because he restores my soul. Some of you, the busyness and the craziness and the anxiety and everything, has just your soul is weary. And he says, come on, let me restore you. He wants to restore us because he has more for us. Our shepherd makes his sheep lie down in green pastures. He's good to make us lie down. And newsflash, your busyness doesn't make you more successful. It just doesn't. If you're not taking a Sabbath rest, it's not going to make you any more money. The locusts will come and eat it because God is intended for you to work. Yes, work hard and do, do good and then rest and rest in him. And rest with your relationships and, and reestablish who are we? What are we here for? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're here to worship God and to live for him. So don't be working yourself to the bone. Some of you, I'm worried. I'm worried. You're working two, three jobs. That's a lot. That's a lot. Might be time to look at that and say, is that blocking my life with God? Is that getting in the way of me living in that, in that place that God designed for me to live and to be fruitful? With fruit that will last, not plastic toys and junk that ends up in the landfill, but fruit that will last, which is really relationships. God created us for relationships and created us to help others find relationships with God. So our fruitfulness comes from that. Your busyness is not a sign of success. It's a sign of being stressed and overwhelmed. And it'll get to you eventually because you're living out of control. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, knowing when to say no and when to say yes. Some of you are yes people. You always say yes. I suggest you look at that and try to attune your ear to God and ask Him, God, is that something I should be doing? Is that how I should be spending my time? Or do you want me to sit at your feet like Mary, not Martha, who just... Got busy, busy, busy. But Mary, who sat at his feet and just gleaned from her relationship with God, her friendship with Jesus. You see, when he asks us to sit with him and fellowship with him, it's not a duty. It's not a task. It's not work. How would you feel, those of you who have had a spouse relationship if your spouse only spent time with you because he knew it was his duty and that he needed to fulfill somewhere on his time card how much time he spent with you. Not because he wanted to be with you, but just because he knew he had to. That's not love. That's not the kind of love that God wants us to have. It's not the kind of love he shows towards us. He, he, he stands at the door, it says in Revelation. He stands at the door and knocks And if you'll open up the door, he'll come in and says, he'll, he'll sup with you in the, in the King James. He'll, he'll fellowship with you. He'll sit at your table and, and dine with you and come in to do a building project. He'll get to that. He'll work by his spirit, but, but God wants a relationship with us. So these 50 days may help you to be more disciplined and to establish more habits to really just sit with God, pray, read his word, listen, count your blessings, not what you don't have, but what he has already provided, and simply adore him. God is adorable. If you really adore him, you'll get what I mean by that. Maybe this should have been two sermons. All right. One last thing. One last thing that blocks. And this is is in the church. It's also in our families and our homes because God is about relationships. The one thing that also can block the power of God in our life is disunity. When we come together in the name of Jesus... We come together as one family. Not a split family, a divorced family, a broken family, but one family in Christ. Unfortunately, we bring some of our brokenness with us, some of our our messiness with us, and it makes us irritable. There's times when we like to feel isolated because we don't want to be with people who can sort of get on our nerves. We're constantly... Giving you opportunities to gather together, to be with others. And some of you, dang it, you just won't do it. Oh, no, I, uh, you know, I don't like closeness. If you don't like closeness, you shouldn't have joined the family, right? God's family is close. They love each other. They love on each other. They get on each other's nerves, but then they forgive each other. And they keep growing together. Sadly, some of you have enjoyed the isolation of the pandemic because you don't have to bother with anybody. But remember what God said from the very beginning of creation. It is not good to be alone. It is not. You know why? Because you start to think you're right all the time because there ain't nobody there to argue with you. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a wonderful person. You know, there's nobody there to say, no, you're not. You were just nasty over there. There's nobody there to disagree because you're all by yourself. Now, some of us like to be isolated like that and, and, and we need to be challenged. We are part of a family. We are part of a community. We are part of a church that God put together. He put you here for this particular time in this particular place for a reason. And we are to seek him for that reason. We're to listen to him for that reason. We know we rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We know some people look at you funny. That's because you're funny. We know some people annoy you, even the pastor. We know some people don't understand you, and they're trying to, but sometimes they just keep misunderstanding you. They rub you the wrong way. Over the past 35 years of ministry here, I have heard every excuse Imaginable, but probably not, but in my mind, imaginable for why people disobey and stay away. Why they will leave a church. Why they will stop talking to a certain person. Why it's okay for them to hold a grudge. Why they can be unforgiving. You won't believe what he did. You won't believe what she did. Oh, pastor, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I've heard it all. And guess what? None of it matters. When you know God and what you did to offend him and the fact that he would send his one and only son to die for you, that is a miracle, but he wants us to keep reproducing that miracle in our own lives. You have no right to hold a grudge. You have no right to be unforgiving towards brothers and sisters in Christ, but you do it. So in the next 50 days, I'm praying that God will break that out of here. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. In the, in the epistles, when Paul's trying to teach the church, he says, there should be no divisions. There should be no factions among you. Factions are just broken off pieces, fractured pieces of the body. You should be one in Christ. Come on. Jesus himself, when praying to the Father in John 17, said, Father, make them One. One. Make them one as you and I are one. As I am in you and you are in me, may we also be in them to bring about complete unity. I know that sounds like heaven on earth. But he wasn't talking about heaven. Not that. He's talking about now. The body of Christ is called to be together. We're different. We're not identical to each other. We all have different gifts and different abilities and different funny, quirky personalities. Who cares? He called us together to love one another. He commands us to love one another. So when we stand in disunity, when we block up our lives with some kind of unforgiveness, some kind of grievance, some kind of whatever, we're shutting God off. We're shutting off the abundance We're shutting off the blessing. Oh God, get this deep in us. Because it's for real hurting the church. Not just this church, every church of Jesus Christ. It's for real. It's a mess. And I know it's hard, but when we humble ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be lower, than the others in the room jesus couldn't have illustrated it better than washing the disciples feet here he is god of the universe about to lay his life down for all of our sins the perfect lamb of god and he becomes the lowest in the room and washes the feet of the disciples and then he said you should do likewise you should do likewise. I know it's hard. It, 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 wrecks, with, it wrecks with our, our self-esteem and our, and our flesh and everything else. But it is what God wants us to do. He says in John 17, I want them to be in complete unity. In John 17, verse, verse 20 and 23, I want them, Father, to be in complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. That's how the rest of that passage goes. So it's not just that so we can have unity like kumbaya. Yay, kumbaya, we're all in unity. Uh-uh. It's about shining the light into the world so that people could know that God exists. Because it can't happen unless God exists in our lives. We can't be in unity. All we think about is how to be in disunity. But when the Holy Spirit's in charge, he knows how to make us united. So Jesus wants us to shine, but we have to do it together. Part of this vision around the 50 days to be changed is for us to begin to evaluate. Now, I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list. It was only four things and you've forgotten the first three already no all right let's review them then what do you think the first one was unbelief what do you think the second one was fear, fear. third busyness and last disunity this is not an exhaustive list Just read the epistles, you'll see some longer lists than that. But there are things in all of our lives that are blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit, from doing the work in us so that he can do the work in the world that he desires to do. And I want us at the beginning of this 51st year of ministry to get it right, to get the foundations back where they should be, to get the flow of God moving again in our lives and in our church so that whatever God wants to do and accomplish, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, whatever it is, we're going to do it for you because we live for you. You don't live for us. We live for you. So one united thing that we can do is take the next 50 days. Today's February 20th. 50 days from now will be April 10th. April 10th is Palm Sunday this year. You know how Easter moves around? That's Palm Sunday. So from now till Palm Sunday, will you with me as one unit, as one body, seek the Lord together. I don't mean you have to be in this space together all the time. What it means is that you will take the time, the effort, the energy, whatever it is that you need to do to build some new habits. Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's in Bible study. Maybe it's in fellowship. Maybe it's in service. Build some new habits by the power of God, not yourself, Break some old habits. Maybe they're not that old. Maybe they just started in the pandemic. But break those off. You don't need those. They're dragging you down. They're stuffing up your vents. Pull those things out. And be changed. So that we are able to be used by God. In a mighty way. In this world today. Jesus didn't come. To, to be a, a dim and dimmer and dimmer light in the world. He came to use each of us as a light in the world so that he shines brightly, so that we see our faith coming to fruition, that we see new and different things, greater things for the kingdom of God in these next 50 years, that we just don't fade away, but that we actually begin to see more clearly the kingdom of God here in our midst just as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. So you can take this little thing home and you can put it in your Bible or on your mirror or in your dashboard or on your computer screen or in your kitchen cabinets or in the refrigerator or the freezer on the ice cream container or anywhere. Just so it reminds you that these 50 days, God will meet with you. If you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. If you want to do a half-hearted thing, Go for it. It won't work. But seek him with your whole heart with me, and we'll see what God will do. God is at work. God has been at work. But it's been sort of under the radar, right? We want to bring it up on the surface, not for us, but for him, that he would be glorified. In the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 14, listen to these words. They all joined together constantly in prayer. In Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place together. In Acts 2, 46 and 47, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved now the, the salvation was coming because they were living in unity they were living out the life that God had just given them through the holy spirit and salvation's just were added it doesn't it just says and people were added to their number daily i believe God wants to do that I believe he wants to add to our numbers daily. But he can only do that when we unite around him and we allow him to flow fully into our lives. In Acts 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were in one mind, had one mind and one heart. I don't know how that's possible except by a miracle of God. Because there's a, a hundred minds in here and a hundred different hearts, right? But in Christ, in God, seeking him together, we can find that unity. I pray that we would be able to surrender to this, that we'd be able to to allow this to be something that God uses. Because you, you you can block it out. You can put some dirty laundry in front of it. You can keep it from happening. Or you can open up to God. And in your own unique ways, experience him. And then collectively, we all experience him more deeply in these 50 days than we have 50 days prior, maybe even 50 years prior.